Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. If you ask God only one question and you knew that He would give you an answer to that, what question would you ask Him? You know, this was a question that people were asking of Paul. And here was their most common response. And they would ask this, God, why is there pain and suffering in the world? You ever ask that question? This is a question also that deeply troubled so many devout Christians throughout the history. If God answers the prayer, why didn't he answer the prayer of the faithful Jews during the Holocaust? If God is a God of love, why he allows millions of people were being slaughtered in Cambodia during the genocide in 1970s? If this is the word that you allow us, you know, we live in a world in which a child dies every five seconds of starvation. Every minute there are 25 people who die because they do not have clean water to drink. We live in a world where a hurricane destroys whole towns, towns like New Orleans, where a tsunami kills over 300,000 people across the Indian Ocean in 2005. You know, when these happen, the common, very famous question that we ask is this, right? God, where were you in all this? Where are you in all this? God, why are you allowed pain and suffering in the world? The question like why and how long, God, and how could you, God? I'm sure that you have asked this question before, right? Especially if you are going through a difficult time of your life. And we've learned from our current series that we are not the only one who asked this question or had to face this question or struggle with this question. The Old Testament prophet, Prophet Habakkuk, also came face to face with these questions as well. Today, we conclude our series called, Who Do We Trust? When life doesn't make sense. Who do we trust when life doesn't make sense? And my title for today's message is this. Yet I will. Would you say that with me? Yet I will. Now for the last couple of weeks, we've learned that the people of Israel have angered God in this book, book of Habakkuk, right? And they have done some things that God is not pleased with. And God tells the prophet Habakkuk that he's going to have to bring discipline to Judah. And he's going to do it by raising up and using people that Israelite cannot stand. In other words, he is going to raise up the Babylonian to come and bring discipline, to enslave them, to punish the children of God. It's like, um, let me see if I can bring it with, you know, and help you understand what is happening back in Israel, between Israelite and the Babylonian. I think it would be the equivalent of something like the Red Sox, Okay, having to lose the Yankees throughout the whole season, right? 
Uh, we can't understand that. We try to comprehend how in the world, out of 30, those major league teams, we had to lose to this Yankees, excuse my language, dreaded and, you know, despicable Yankees. We had to lose to this, this team. That is not acceptable. And that is what was going on. That is what was going to happen to the land of Judah. And God said, I am going to bring judgment on the chosen people of God, and I'm going to use the people that they hate. I'm going to use the Babylonians. When this prophet Habakkuk, prophet Habakkuk got this word, he went into a state of depression. He fell into his knees, and he was upset, he was mad, he was angry with God. He was wondering and asking this question, and question like, why, God? How could you, God? And if you and I would be honest, I'm sure that we have been in this season or the periods of our own lives when we raise a question with God of why. How could you, right? Why do I have to go through all this? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to get fired? Why my marriage end up this way? Why do I have to suffer from this illness? Why do my children behave and live that way? Even though I brought up and I raised them in the church. And yet, in this final chapter, in chapter 3, we see that there is a shift. Everybody says shift. There is a shift that occurs in Habakkuk's attitude. We're not going to actually read the whole chapter and study verse by verse. So if I may give you a little bit of a summary, okay? From verse 2 through verse 15, Habakkuk experienced great vision about who God is and how mighty and sovereign he is with his creation. If you take a look at verse 2 through 3, you'll see the example of a rising sun. Right When the darkness were just overwhelming whole world, this rising sun, even before it was rising, you see the word and the whole world are going to become brighter. And there is a magnificent scene when this rising sun is coming up, of evolve this horizon. And God is like that. Also, God's being described from what he has done in the past. And especially verse 16 through verse 19 which we are going to focus on today. And we see that Habakkuk makes a shift in his attitude. Habakkuk makes a shift in his perspective. And I think that is important. I thought I have to talk to you about this because some of us, including myself, we need to make a shift in our attitude about our life, right? I think that one of the difference between the mature Christian and mature Christian is how they handle and trouble times how they view as they are walking in very difficult times you know anybody can praise right if you got a money in your bank account everybody can glorify if you got a promotion on your job i mean anybody can actually bring god praise when everything is right when everything is going right but what would you do what would you do when the things are not going right. And I believe it is a strong indication of your maturity level when life does not make sense, when life does not work the way you expect it, the way you respond to that, the way you view those circumstances. And I believe that we can learn 
from the prophet Habakkuk on how he responded and how he was able to have this shift in his attitude, how he was able to have this shift in his perspective. Okay? So we can learn from Habakkuk on how to respond when things don't go the way we want, the way we understand, or the way we hope for. First things that we can actually learn from the prophet Habakkuk is this, yet I will wait patiently. Would you say that with me? Yet I will wait patiently. Yet I will wait patiently. Verse 16 says this, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. You ever had an experience when you heard this frightening and shocking news that you can't even open your mouth? That's where he is right now. And his legs trembled. And then here is important statement that Habakkuk is making that we have to learn. Yet I will be patiently waiting for the day of calamity to come on the nation that is invading us. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Habakkuk says here, even though I do not understand, even though the news, the answer from my prayer came from you, God, that is frightening me, I don't understand, I don't get it, on what and how and how come and why, But despite that, I will be faithfully and patiently waiting for you and your guidance. You see that? I believe that patience is one of the essential characteristics that mature Christians should have. In fact, God loves this waiting time for us, right? And waiting time or being patient time. God used this as a great, his favorite ingredient to mature you, to train you, to discipline you, and also to mold you to be a better version of you, to be the person that God wants to use. There are countless of examples if you read in the Bible. First example is actually from the book of Genesis. You know, remember that, that Abraham was given this great promise, right? Promise that you are going to become the father of whole nation. You know what? You are going to be, and your descendants are as numerous as the sands on the beach or stars in the sky. But the problem was his wife, Sarah, was barren. And it took 25 years for them to be waiting, to be patient until the promise was fulfilled through the verse of their son, Isaac. You see that? They had to wait 25 years. Think about Joseph. When he was given these two great and amazing dreams that he's going to be the leader and center of his house and his household and perhaps his whole nation. When he was 17, he got those two dreams. But it took him for 13 years for that dream, the promise of God to be fulfilled. He had to be patient. He had to go through this waiting period of time. Was that easy? No. Many of you know the story. You know, he was sold by his brothers as an, he was enslaved to the Egyptian guard and he was also framed and being jailed on behind the bars for a number of years until he became the second most powerful man in the nation of Egypt. He had to wait for 13 years. How about Moses? Right? He had to wait 40 years in the wilderness. You see that? God tend to give the people who love 
right? Whom he loved and whom he also wants to use most. The more waiting and more this time of being patient. And I think the patience is an act of humility. Amen? I think the patience is an act of service. Patience is an act of faith. Why? Because as you are humbly, genuinely waiting for God's guidance, acknowledging that he is in charge, acknowledging that he will be guiding and also delivering you. See that? Patience is the number one ingredient we as a Christian might we should have. My question for you and challenge it for you, have you been really patient enough? As you've been praying for, well, I've been praying for 20 weeks or 20 years, it doesn't matter. You've been patient enough. Have you been really patient enough that God is going to you know, mold you and discipline you and make you to be the better person? Have you been also understanding the true meaning of this waiting time? It's not the time of waste. No, it's not wasting time. It is an essential, invaluable time for God to mold you. So whenever you walk through a very difficult time, you don't know what is happening. All this nonsense and drama is going on in your life that doesn't make any sense to you. You always have to learn from this prophet Habakkuk. Yet, I will wait patiently. The second thing that we can learn from prophet Habakkuk is this. Yet, I will rejoice. Everybody said rejoice. Rejoice. Verse 17 here, um, we find that Habakkuk, prophet Habakkuk lays out what he is facing, okay? Circumstances. Let's look at what he's facing here in verse 17 first. This is what God, um, this is what the word of God says. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, yet the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Looking at what he's facing, okay, it's pretty much gloomy. There is no sense of hope. Let me just explain a little more. Let me just unpack this, what this verse says here. It says there is no fig tree, um, and there is no food on the fig tree, okay? Though the fig tree may not blossom. You know what that means? There's no food at all. Because fig tree and figs are one of the most common and easy fruit that you can get that time in the land of Israel. So that means there's no food. It also said, uh, no fruit beyond the vines. That means there's nothing to drink. There's no pure water. They have to drink those wines. There's no source of wine, nothing to drink. Though the labor of olive may fail. You know what that means? They work so hard, so hard, but there's no outcome. They work so hard, but their labor is not profitable. It also says here, the flock may be cut from the fold. There is no relationship, broken relationship between Israel people, broken relationship between Israel and also God. And lastly, it says there will be no herd in the stalls. There's no saving. There's no, nothing in your account. Nothing that will sustain you despite all these extremely difficult circumstances. In other words, everything goes wrong. When everything goes wrong, that's what Habakkuk is saying here. And see how Habakkuk makes shift of his attitude and respond. He said here in verse 18, when everything goes wrong, right? Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Amen. 
Would you say that with me? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. Rejoice. You know, the rejoice in Hebrew here, it means you are just thrilled and so excited, right? To the point that you can just jump or, you know, leap, jump and down, leap up and down. And that's true meaning of this rejoice. You cannot control your state of your emotion, your feeling. You just want to express and exploding through your state of your mind. That's what rejoice means. You just want to jump and keep on jumping and jumping and jumping. I've got a couple of actually examples that I really jumped. I was thrilled when that happened. The first thing is actually when I was... Um, and right before, you know, applying for the colleges when I was 18 uh, in South Korea, I actually didn't get a first admission, the first the college that I wanted to go. And then this one that I, I was waiting for, it was pretty much the last one. At that time, um, deadline came, so I had to punch in using the phone, like dialed, and, you know, call ARS and put my, you know, student number, and they will tell me whether congrats or sorry. But as soon as I heard this word, congrats, I didn't hear the rest of the part. I was just jumping and leaping it up and down because I was thrilled to hear that amazing news. The second one is actually when I got my green card. You know how difficult, you know, myself and Mina was really going through to have that green card about already six years ago. It was a true miracle of God. But when we got a phone call from our attorney, Letting us know that despite all this weak point of our cases, somehow that, that you know they granted our case, and then even attorney was probably more excited than us. And when soon as he heard that, we're just jumping and screaming. I guess the last one is also when I got a call from this church about seven years ago. Um, it was it was amazing. I remember, you know, after my preaching, I went out. While well, you guys have a meeting, I went out down to Davis Square with my wife, I believe, waiting. And then one of you, I think it was Sharon or someone, called me and informed me of I was brought in as a senior pastor of this church. I was just happy and thrilled and jumped and leaps and up and down in the middle of the Davis Square. <laughs> you see that? He was rejoicing. And rejoicing in what? Not the circumstances. Not like what I was rejoicing. He was rejoicing in the Lord. Amen. This prophet Habakkuk, his attitude has shifted. You know, as he began, he was complaining, right? He was questioning to God because of the things that are happening, things that he sees with his eyes. He didn't get it. He didn't understand. But right now in the last chapter, his mind has been transformed. His attitude has been shifted. There is a shift on his perspective. Regardless of his circumstances, he was able to say, Rejoice, because I have my Father God. Rejoice in the Lord. His life hasn't changed. His circumstances were still the same. But he says, I will reap and jump because my God, who is a deliverer and Savior. Amen. And there is a reason that Prophet Habakkuk was really rejoicing, was really being patiently waiting. Okay? And it says in verse 19, Habakkuk finishes his book with this giving us very, very reason that why we should be able to rejoice in regardless of our circumstances. It says here in verse 19, the sovereign God, the sovereign Lord is my, what? Is my strength. 
Amen. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He enables me to tread on the height. Amen. I love, I love this verse here. It says that God gives us strength. God gave strength to the prophet Habakkuk. That's why he was able to be patiently waiting for God's guidance. He was able to be rejoicing regardless of the circumstances in the Lord, his Savior. Do you know that? Your strength comes from our God. Amen? Your strength only comes from our God. I'm sure that many of us experience something that happens in your life. And then you knew, oh, it couldn't happen without God's guidance. Somehow God involved. Somehow God, you know, provided strength that only God could do. I'm sure that you, ever, you have experienced that before in your life. God is the one who is giving us the strength. Reflect on my life. There are so many events that cannot be explained, but the presence and the power and strength of God. Not only me and not only you. If you take a look at the Bible, and there are the many spiritual characters of the Bible, they realize after they accomplish amazing things, oh, it is God. God put his hand, God put his strength upon me. Let me just give you a few examples as I am ending this sermon. Um, book of Exodus chapter 15 and verse 2. It says, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. This is actually praise and worship song that was um, you know, sang by the Moses after he parted the Red Sea. Remember, after he parted the Red Sea, so this millions of Israel peoples actually crossed the you know, other side of the Red Sea. And he knew that, oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Immediately he realized it wasn't me who parted this Red Sea. It was the strength of the Lord. Use me as his media to part this Red Sea. He realized immediately it was the strength of our Lord who helped me, who guided me, who used me, made me to part this Red Sea. Another example is coming from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8 and verse 10, the second part. It says, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your what strength. This phrase, rapport, was made by Nehemiah after he completed the restoration of this whole broken walls. He said that, you know what, there are so many people try to interfere us, try to distract us, try to conspiracy us. But we were able to do that, not because of my good leadership, not because of all this corporate work of my people. No, no, it was the strength of our Lord. Another one is actually direct message. Through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. That's actually one of my favorite passages. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with righteous right hand. God has given us this promise. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. Do not be disappointed because I am strengthening you. And how he's strengthening us? It says in the last part of verse 19, it says, He's making our feet like the feet of deer. Let me just quickly explain, and we can actually wrap up our series here. It's actually referring mountain deer. 
You know, the mountain deer has a very unique back heel and feet, and then there are sure-footed feet on, you know, has a really rail foot. And that really gave them the capacity and ability to be able to just jump and leap on this very, very difficult to climb mountain easily, right? They also have this great ability, you know, when they are actually getting to the on the ledge of the mountain, right? Kind of very slight angle, I mean very steep angle, the ledge of the mountain, they were able to just stand and just just make themselves feel comfortable even actually staying overnight there. How is possible? Because of this specially designed back heel of the back leg. That's what God is telling us. I'm giving you the strength as much as I made and create this mountain deer. The way this deer was able to stand firm, the ledge of the mountain, the way this deer was able to just hop and jump from the down of the downside of the valley to the top of the mountain. That's our Father God is. If you take a look at from your views, there is no way you can just stand on the ledge of the mountain. There's no way you can just even jump and not even climb up to the, those mountains if it's just really steep mountain. But from the perspective of God, hey, it's not a big deal, right? He created as a great example this mountain there. Mountain there has no problem. You know, climb up this very steep mountain, standing in the middle of the ledge of the mountain and feel like, I feel comfortable. I can stay overnight here. That's our God is. You see that? As long as we put our perspective, as long as we make the shift in our attitude and perspective in trusting who our God is, because he's the one and source of our strength. He's the one promised us to give us strength. Regardless of your circumstances, I think we can still praise the Lord. I, can, I, can, I think we can still see the same difficult circumstance with a different lens. We should be able to see the hope. We should be able to see the deliverance. We should be able to see and praise and worship the same way this prophet Habakkuk did. So brothers and sisters, I know you're very, going through a very difficult time of your life. Of course, I've been praying for you. But may you make this shift in your attitude. May you have this new perspective that came from our Lord, from this all promises. I hope you'll be able to find a great portion of strength, portion of hope, as you really link your life to the ones of Habakkuk and how he was able to overcome. May the same power, same truth, and same strength of the Lord be upon you. Let's pray. Our Father God, we come before you. As we listen to this encouraging and amazing, uplifting this message, Lord, even though that we are going through this very difficult time, even though the things and circumstances may not be changed the way we want it, even though the answer that we are been, we've been given by you, Lord, is far different from what we've expected, Lord, we can still, yet we will wait for you, yet we, will, we can rejoice in you because we know you are the one who can give us everlasting strength. The strength can really make us feel comfortable, be excited, be encouraged, even during difficult time, because we know with our lens, with our perspective, it is difficult time. But with the perspective of God, it is opportunity. It is another blessing. It is another time of molding or time of us being a better person, the person that you want us to be. So may you continue to use us, your Lord, discipline us and mold us until that we can fulfill your purpose 
and in your guideline and your way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.